Welcome to Path of a Green Witch podcast. In this episode, I want to talk about women who resisted. This comes from a magazine called Witches, The Truth Behind the Legends and Lore. This article was written by Catherine Nuremberger. Women who resisted. Tens of thousands were accused of witchcraft in Europe and the Americas, but some stood their ground. During the Spanish Inquisition, witchcraft accusations against women sharply spiked. Ultimately, 2,000 suspected witches were investigated and tortured. Eleven died, six of whom were burned at the stake. Modern witches call it the burning times. Between 1300 and 1800, more than 60,000 people were executed for witchcraft in Europe and the New World. Thousands more were accused, and nearly all of them, around 80%, were women. There's no shortage of theories about what caused the witch hysteria. Leaders needed scapegoats for plagues and natural disasters, and witches fit the bill. The Catholic and newly formed Protestant churches saw the trials as a way to win new members. There was a clash between midwives, largely women, and doctors, mostly men. No matter the cause, German cleric Heinrich Kramer's 1487 book Malleus Maleficarum, Hammer of the Witches, made unruly women public enemy number one and offered a guide for how to go after them. Most of those accused were not actually baby-sacrificing servants of Satan. They only seemed demonic to witch-hunting members of the patriarchy because they were women who owned their own land, ran their own businesses, or lived independent lives. Others were simply poor and vulnerable. The accused were often brutally tortured, physically, mentally, sometimes sexually. Not surprisingly, these sleep-deprived, battered souls often confessed, telling prosecutors exactly what they demanded to hear, and of course, as part of their statement, they named other witches who'd inspired with them. This came as a surprise to many an unsuspecting newly named witch. Confessions were then twisted into propaganda, with their stories told as cautionary tales to uphold an oppressive regime. This was what happened in 1275 to Angela de la Barthe, an influential woman with wealth in Toulouse, France. Under the pain of torture, she confessed to giving birth to a wolf-headed, serpent-tailed child that fed on the fresh corpses of infants. Or she might have. There was some debate about whether her trial happened at all, or whether her testimony was concocted nearly 300 years after the fact in order to justify new witch hunts and accusations. We do know that, as a member of a Gnostic sect of Cathars, de la Barthe would have believed in a dualist philosophy of a good god and an evil god who were equally powerful and held each other in balance. Toulouse was a stronghold of those who would resist the authority of the church, and de la Barthe was among those who abandoned baptisms because she thought it absurd to buy holy water from a traveling priest when water is material and spirit is immaterial. Like other Cathars, she would also have thought of the body as a mere vessel for the soul, making gender roles irrelevant distractions. But to inquisitors, a woman of independent means, wielding authority, was confusing and created a sense of bedevilment. Witch hunts became widespread after the Reformation of the Church in 1517 when Protestantism began to spread throughout Europe. It was never the idea of a wolf-serpent son that bothered the witch-hunters. It was the way she
she defied their rigid ideas about who was supposed to have power and who was not this spirit of defiance and resistance can be seen in many of the women called to account for their power those accused of witchcraft were often tortured into confessing demonic sexual acts and punished accordingly role reversal during the sixteen ninety two to sixteen ninety three witch trials in salem massachusetts tituba an enslaved woman in the village completely upended prosecutors logic with her testimony when asked to name other witches she said she could not make out any other names or faces and then collapsed onto the floor as if entranced under further pressure tituba described nameless and faceless members of a coven she noted how they wore the fine clothes of well-to-do people an ingenious detail that turned the wealthy elites of salem accustomed to scapegoating marginalized and vulnerable outsiders on each other candy another enslaved woman of salem also used her confession to transform assumptions about who could be a witch and how candy no witch barbados she said in this country mistress give candy witch a judge asked candy if she had signed the devil's book she answered that her mistress had once showed her that her name was written in a book and she felt the presence of a great evil the kind of thing the puritans call the devil candy reiterated candy no witch in her country margaret hawkes the white woman who imagined herself to own candy on the other hand was a very real kind of monster profiting from a very real kind of pact with the devil the records say that the afflicted puritans in the room upon hearing candy's words and seeing her dunk some knotted rags in a bucket were greatly affrighted and fell into violent fits her testimony forced the upper classes of salem to consider for a moment at least what you are when you say you have papers that prove you own someone else's soul fighting back isabel gowdy was another whose trial in seventeenth-century scotland was defined by her defiance though not formally educated she was particularly admired for her flights the art of flinging clever and well-crafted insults common in oral literary traditions unfortunately by the time her confession was recorded in sixteen sixty two she was long past the artful attention to puns instead she devoted her last public performance to asserting a violent otherworldly power as she threatened cursed and hexed the men in the room you can almost see her spit the names of powerful people she says she pierced with fairy arrows as she flew through the sky like a straw in a whirlwind it's worth noting that even these confessions employ literary techniques like assonance alliteration and repetition the devil was beating and scourging bulls were crowding and scrawling boys were whiting and diting even in her rage gowdy was a poet according to british historian emma wilby gowdy's trial for the witchcraft of insubordination was likely a consequence of wealthy landowners looking for theological justifications to maintain strongholds over the estates to which poor families like gowdy's were tied as tenant farmers once women had been allowed to flight in the streets for the delight and amusement of their neighbors suddenly this became cursing an illegal act of witchcraft once you could gather with friends and family and complain about how the landlord raised the rent again now you were a dangerous coven who wished to see him and all his heirs dead gowdy seems like the kind of woman who knew she was alive by how fiercely she was fighting she cursed harry forbes one of her accusers reciting three times the refrain he is lying in his bed and he is lying seek and sore 
door. Let him lie until his bed. Two months this day more. Maybe she truly was practicing dark magic. Maybe she just really wanted to give certain men what she thought they deserved. Reading her words, we can see, even centuries later, that so familiar figure of the slumlord trying to distract from and forestall his inevitable bankruptcy by crying witchcraft. We see an insolvent minister about to lose his congregation tied to rumors Gaudi repeated that he had an adulterous relationship with a servant. While Gaudi was likely executed, her testimony shows how the judges were deranged with fear they might lose a kind of power they never should have had in the first place. Standing tall. One of the charges levied against Maria Barboza in 1610 was that she used her magic to invoke a sea devil. The specifics of her alleged spells are not itemized in the records of the witch trials in the 16th and 17th century Brazil, but maybe she destroyed many men by putting water she used to wash between her legs into her master's food, as a woman named Josefa confessed to doing. Perhaps she took scrapings from the soles of a master's shoes to prevent beatings, a spell allegedly used by enslaved people in Minas. During these inquisitorial visitations, the official mission was to locate and punish those practicing Judaism in the Brazilian colonies, but trial records indicate judges were equally willing to harass free African and indigenous people to safeguard slavery and colonial rule. That was how an Afro-Brazilian practitioner of indigenous medicine and spiritual traditions like Barbosa might find herself accused. On the way from Brazil to Portugal to stand trial, her ship was overrun by pirates. Barbosa was taken as captive and most likely raped repeatedly before being dumped on a beach in Gibraltar. Picking herself up a world away from home, Barbosa decided to walk across this strange country into her own trial with her head held high. When she arrived, she asked for a cloak to cover her nakedness. She asked this favor. She told the men in a clear voice because she was not the woman they imagined her to be. How remarkable it is that she ultimately still had the capacity to believe in another person's potential goodness, even in inquisitors. But Barboza was among those women who used magic to give people some measure of control over their own lives. She wasn't asking those men for a cloak. She was offering them a chance to transform themselves. When they chose to ignore her dignity and to be cruel yet again, the way the moral authority shifted must have felt like the winds of some kind of judgment, perhaps the sea devils, or maybe that of a powerful divinity passing through. Still Hunted A woman in Papua New Guinea in 2018 shows the scars she suffered from hot machetes, spades, and rods after being accused of sorcery. While enlightenment brought the official end to witch hunts in much of the Western world, it was hardly the end of women, it's almost always women, being persecuted for perceived witchcraft. Saudi Arabia is is one of a handful of countries where it's still legal to execute witches. Its government even added an anti-witchcraft unit in 2009 to, quote, educate the public about the evils of sorcery, investigate alleged witches, neutralize their cursed paraphernalia, and disarm their spells, end quote. That same year, two Indonesian women who'd been employed as domestic workers were convicted of witchcraft against their employers. One was said to have made a son disappear. He was found alive. They were sentenced to death but were acquitted in April 2008.
2019 after 10 years in prison. Witch hunts are illegal in India, but many rural parts of the country hold on to superstitions. Between 2000 and 2016, more than 2,500 Indian women were chased, tortured, and killed, according to India's National Crime Records Bureau. But experts think the true number is likely higher. Often, those witches or Dakan are blamed for diseases and infant mortality, or sometimes they may simply have inherited valuable lands or property that an accuser is after. In some developing African and island nations, including Kenya, Ghana, Tanzania, and the Central African Republic, CAR, hundreds, perhaps thousands of people, usually poor older women, single mothers, or the mentally ill, are killed annually. The accusation of witchcraft is a sentence without appeal, says Nadia Karine Fornell Potu, who's the president of an association of lawyers and advocates in CAR. The penal code is unable to establish what witchcraft is. Being a mystical matter, the authorities do not intervene. This article was written by Catherine Neuernberger, and I thought it was extremely well written, and that's the reason I wanted to share it. There are certain parts of it that really stood out to me. So I've talked a lot about Tituba in previous episodes, and I didn't realize until reading this article that there were other women of color who were accused of witchcraft during the Salem witch trials. So it prompted me to look up Candy and Mary Black. Apparently, both of those women were of African descent, and they were enslaved by a couple of different families in Salem, and they were accused of witchcraft, and their stories are pretty interesting. So I'm going to share their stories in another episode. Thank you so much for listening to Path of a Green Witch podcast. I really appreciate you taking the time to hang out with me and to learn about some of the things that are really interesting to me. In the parts that I read about Isabel Gaudi, who was the woman who was admired for her flights, you know, her snarky poetry, I wish I could convey the full meaning of her words because I think they're just so deep and poetic. I love the way this entire article was devoted to women who resisted, who even in their oppressed state did their best to fight back because that's the spirit that I have. I won't go down without a fight and I feel like even if all you have are your words, use them. Thank you so much for listening.